Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is Alex with another episode of Undying Light. So, last week that you heard, um, you probably caught that I was recording at like the wee hours of the morning. Well, it's still that same day because I'm recording two episodes in the same morning because I have some free time before uh, I was awoken and uh, before I have to go to work. So, figured I'd knock out two weeks worth of episodes and uh, deliver some great content, hopefully. So this is part two of my morning escapades. Uh, so as you listen to this two weeks, you know, a week apart from each other, just know they were only recorded probably 10 minutes apart from each other. So as per usual, uh, a little bit of house cleaning. Um, last week, I really went into some some things, but, uh, this week, not much, um, that's going to be obviously different because not much has changed in the 10 minutes from recording last week's episode of this week. But I do want to make sure, um, people know that we do have a website up. It is undyinglight.org. And on that, you can catch the podcast. We have them linked in the show or on the, we have the shows linked on the webpage. You can catch my bio, a little bit about me. Um, and you can grab, uh, you could, we have got the Instagram feed up there for the undying light page. By the way, I did decide, uh, as this airs in July, I did decide in June that, um, I'm going to leave the page up. I was going to kill it, um, and really just have one focal point, but it, you know, it's got, you know, 3,500 followers and I figure that's pretty substantial for a podcast, um, IG page. And, you know, Paul and I really worked on getting that page, um, you know, kind of built up when we were co-hosting the show together. And so I figure I might as well utilize that platform and deliver show updates, show notes, you know, and, and highlights of the show and, uh, you know, really try to hopefully point people to, you know, listen to this, 
a little bit more than just on my particular page. Now, you know, as I record this, I have just under 15,000 followers and I know not everyone, every one of those is, you know, active on Instagram or, you know, participating. Cause I, I kind of see that in my, you know, um, analytics on my posts and stories. Obviously I don't get 15,000 views on a story. I get about, you know, anywhere between 500 and a thousand. Um, so what my, my aim is, is to grow the platform for this podcast through both of those channels. So I'm going to keep the undying light page going and, um, hopes to reach more people, uh, with this particular show. Cause you know, cause again, it's not about me. It's about doing the Lord's work and it's about, you know, helping people understand some of the more complex things. It's helping people understand the nature of God, who God is, and who are we in sense to uh, our created Lord. So as I record this particular episode, we have um, this last solo episode, which will air the 24th of July, which is obviously today as you listen to it. And then we will do the recap, which will be next week. And that will conclude the attributes of God. And uh, before I get into today's topic, I do want to highlight that as, as of next week, I'll have a special guest on. And we will be discussing kind of all the attributes and just some of the more, um, some of the things that really stuck out during the recordings of the show. Uh, we will, I will pay tribute to all of those who, um, joined me. So I will make sure you guys get, um, tagged in that, in the, in the post leading up to that. Cause I kind of want to, eh, big grand finale if you would, I, you know, and I'd love it if you, they all had that recognition again to, um, you know, be, to, to be shown the love that you guys have shown me and you guys were, they were all fantastic guests on this show. I learned a lot. Um, they're all, they were <laughs> Honestly, they're all far more prepared than I was. They are amazing people, well-studied, well-versed. And, uh, and so my heart is so thankful for them because without them, I couldn't have done this series. Honestly, I have a lot going on in my life and, you know, with, with coming out of the lock, you know, being in the lockdown from COVID and still having to go to work full time and still having to take care of my family. They really stepped up their game unbeknownst to themselves and helped deliver some edifying content, some amazing material. Uh, and, and I mean, people really did their homework. They really did. Um, you know, the, they really put their, <laughs> put the work in and they talked about, you know, their story and how these attributes really impacted them. And that's just, that to me just blows me away again. So as we do the recap, I will make sure we give them all recognition for all who have joined on this show. Yeah. And me and my special guests will, you know, talk about the experiences there. So I'm very excited about next week's episode. So please share this podcast with your friends, your family, your church, um, everybody you can, because Again, it's not about me. I, I care less about the fame. What I want is a good platform that people can listen to and get, you know, some some good content from. And 
you know, we've, Paul and I did a lot of really great topics when we were together. Uh, we went through Tulip and we went through a lot of the Reformation stuff and a bunch of Calvinist stuff. And we started to dabble into church history and then, you know, scheduling and time just became an unbearable weight for us. And, you know, now he's doing his own show and it's, you know, he's doing wonderful with it. And I'm doing this show and I'm hoping to do, to continue the theme that Undying Light started with. And it's to deliver edifying and God honoring content. And, uh, but it gives me the ability at five thirty in the morning to record an episode. And, uh, I don't have to wait on, uh, Paul waking up because Paul's a few hours ahead of me or, you know, trying to pin down a time that both of us are available. It, that's, that was the wait. That's what really, um, became quite difficult for the two of us. So, so that's, uh, you know, again, I explained more of that on the first show back, um, in, in May. So all love and respect to that, um, to, to the parting of the, <laughs> of the show. But so before I get into today's topic, actually, let's just go do that. Let's get into today's topic. And the last attribute that we will cover on this show is God's perfection. So we have been through a ton of attributes and they don't even begin to scratch the surface of who the character and nature of God is because all of these attributes have to be understood in order for us to understand God. And again, there's no real particular order. Some of these, you know, we try to do kind of um, place them to where we did one and then the next week made it you know, a little bit more sense. But, you know, in terms of like recording, there's no rhyme or reason why I picked some of them to air before others. There's not one attribute that's better than others. So, but they all really, they all matter. They're all connected. They're all special. They all help us understand who God is. And this last attribute we're going to tackle before we get into the recap episode is God's perfection. And I think this is a great way to finish this show because as Christians, it helps us to understand really the, the awesomeness of God. You know, last week we tackled his self-existence. We tackled, you know, and then just in recent shows, we've gone over his simplicity, his mercy, his love, his holiness, his self-existing, and now his perfection. And this is a topic that um, can get some some uh, interesting debates because when we look at perfection... Uh, there's some text that calls us to be perfect, and we're going to talk about that too. As I've kind of highlighted on a few prior shows, we're going to kind of rehash that a little bit more this time, um, why he is perfect and we are not, and how he can be perfect and we will never be perfect. So buckle your seatbelts and don your headphones because we are going on a ride, ladies and gentlemen. Perfect means without flaw. God is perfect in every way. He is flawless. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. From Deuteronomy 32.4. 
Um, simply that, right? God is perfect. He is without flaw. And being perfect, God is the standard by which everything else is measured. I just want to focus that, right? Um, we talked a little bit about last week on um, truth and, and, and morality. And we talked about how to hold a certain value of morality, there has to be a standard by which that is held to. If we decide that we are not Christian and we don't believe in Christ and we don't believe that God created everything, then our morality is only based upon our self. It's based upon our feelings. And that is a created flaw because we are sinful people. And so therefore our understanding of morality, our understanding of truth is therefore flawed and tainted because we are sinful beings. Sin has crept into our minds and it has warped and distorted the measure of the way we think. And this even happens for Christians. We have been warped and distorted into thinking that we're good people. And if we just, you know, keep doing some good stuff, God's going to allow us to get into heaven. Um, Ligonier does every couple of years a state of theology report. And I've written a couple blog articles on that. I actually did a whole series on that on the website. So um, check that out. But um, it's concerning because these are random interviews. And so they randomly pull individuals. And in these interviews, you know, they're asked you know, some just very simple, basic questions on, you know, how are you going to get to heaven? Do you believe in God? And things like that. So it's interesting, the answer, and it's always, well, I think I'm a good person. And I know because uh, I'm a good person, God's going to allow me into heaven. Well, what measure of good are you holding to? Because Romans 3.10, I'm just going to throw that out here. We're going to read Romans uh, 3.10. Actually, let's go all the way to 20. Paul echoes some of the Psalms here. So if we say that we're good people, Paul's going to throat punch us right now. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lisp, their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says and speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no one, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Paul is also referring back to Romans 1, where he talks about how the law has been placed on all people and therefore we have an understanding of right and wrong. So when we start to consider that, that measurement of goodness, 
we have to know where that goodness comes from. If it's coming from a subjective view, then it's obviously tainted and distorted. Because what you think is good or perfect or right may not be what somebody else thinks is perfect or right. Take, for instance, abortion. Um, there's people out there and there's Christians out there. And uh, this drives me nuts more than anything. Christians who think abortion is okay. Christians who think that you can be pro-choice and still call yourself a Christian. Well, I'm going to tell you this. That is a tainted and distorted view of scripture. You cannot be pro-choice and call yourself a Christian. You just can't be. As we've discussed last week, life has an intrinsic value. And that intrinsic value is placed on us from God. God has created all people. God formed us in the womb. And for us to take that away and kill that being, kill that baby, kill that person, we are warping our understanding of goodness. We are warping our understanding of what we think is right and wrong. So... You cannot be pro-choice and you cannot be a Christian. The two don't go together. So when we talk about things like abortion and understanding what our objective morality should be and how do we measure this, we have to look at what God says. We cannot find ourselves entrapped and our own subjective understanding, we cannot find ourselves trapped into the way that this world wants us to think because the way that the world wants us to think is, you know, corrupted and distorted by Satan. He is the Lord of this world and he will always seek to destroy and pillage and plunder. And because of that, we are fighting against that that path we are going to always be in opposition to the world and the way they think and that i think is even in some christians banks too right we are constantly fighting other christians who um hold to some secularism some worldlyism and they won't let go of it and we don't see that for a second anywhere in scripture that God is telling us that it's okay to blend in with the world. It's okay to live and act like the world. No, God is saying no. <laughs> he is perfect and all things that God does is perfect. Therefore, we should emulate him, not the world. So we're going to look at some of that in scripture too. Um, so as I can go down many many rabbit holes as i record this episode um try to stay as close to my path as possible god is perfect we are not that is the given we see that fall happen in genesis 3 when adam and eve ate of the forbidden fruit sin and death enter the world and god in his righteousness and mercifulness show them his love and 
God provides a sacrifice to clothe Adam and Eve and then kicks them out of the garden because there still has to be punishment. Before sin fell, or before Adam and Eve fell and sin entered the world, Adam and Eve were essentially perfect beings. They knew no sin, and they were created in the likeness of God. So, you know, an interesting perspective. Um, it's a actually a whole different study in and of itself is the character and nature of Adam and Eve before the fall. And I do want to side note that if you're a Christian and you say that, you know, we have to be like Adam or they use Adam as an argument for us to be perfect, then they don't understand the fall and they don't understand everything from Genesis three through the rest of the Bible. Cause we know that Adam was created without sin. He was the first created being by the hand of God out of the dust. He was formed and we are created in the likeliness of God. We still have that created image, the Imago Deo, but because of sin, we are tainted by Adam's rebellion. So our ourselves, we're, we're different, right? We've got sin. We've got an inherited sin nature. So that means that we have some work to do as Christians because we cannot be perfect, despite what some groups out there love to claim. So let's look at some, uh, some more of this nature here of God. Uh, uh, his character, a person's character, is the sum total of all the qualities that make up uh, a person as an individual. Uh, characters are displayed in the words and actions, but are not limited by the words of action. We can call God's character qualities his attributes. Obviously, we know that as we've unpacked this. And the Bible is very clear on what those attributes are. They make up his being, whether these are written in scripture or their actions found in scripture or they are even probably go to an example of a theme now we know that as we've talked on some of these other episodes the understanding of the word is um, especially when we talked on the simplicity we talked about how all of these attributes are um, his they are equally an attribute. They're just not singularly an attribute. Because in John first John four sixteen, when John writes that God is love, it's not saying that God is only love. But that love makes up an attribute. Because God is still equally just and wrathful as he is love. So when we see that his you know his character is built out into various attributes. His word um, is a part of that as well. We understand his actions are a part of that, where they make up his overall being and who he is. So let's look at some of this text, and we will start to hopefully break this down as uh, I've been talking for quite a while. My mouth is getting a little dry. 
I remember um, as I recorded an episode with Anthony on a matter of truth, uh, I have a 30 ounce water jug that I kind of carry with me everywhere I go. And in that 30 minutes on the episode, I don't know, it was just dry or something in my little studio. I was drinking water like it was going out of style. I put that whole thing down and then I have a backup water bottle with me. I told Anthony after we wrapped, I said, uh, I literally drink, you know, 30 some ounces of water in that 30 minutes. So I'm constantly always drinking. It seems to be dry lately. It is pretty warm. I mean, we're starting to get into the summer months. So, okay, I digress again. So let's look at some text. Let's look at scripture and let's see um, how God's perfection plays into his word, his character, his attributes, and how we can recognize that and recognize our particular fallen nature. But before we do, I want to make one thing very clear. Um, There are some people, especially on Instagram, that I've encountered in my time there um, that love to tell you that it is possible to be perfect. So we're going to understand what perfect means from the nature of God and what perfect means for the nature of man. First of all, the perfection of God is that he is without flaw. That the sin cannot tarnish God. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. And if a sinful being comes into the presence of God without the imputed righteousness of Christ, that person will be cast into hell and will receive eternal judgment. Sin and God cannot coexist together. However, sin and man coexist. You will never, ever get rid of sin in your life. There's no passage anywhere in scripture that tells us if we do X, Y, and Z, we will be rid of sin. Because if that was the case, then all of us would be doing that. There's no passage that tells us that we will live a sin-free lifestyle. In fact, there's no passage that even guarantees that we will live a life without troubles or persecution or suffering, pain. It's just not there. Because in this fallen world, nobody gets that. There's no free ticket to live a life without some form of suffering or persecution. I myself have experienced persecution. I get it from my own family. I've been told that they hate me because I am a Christian. Because I have a different worldview than they do. I've been, you know, cast out from a few individuals in that circle. Um, You know, I've been shunned and and rejected by family members. Been mocked by family members. Um, I have lost communication to... Uh, Many of my past friends, because of my views as a Christian, and that's okay. You know, it's not physical persecution or physical suffering, but it's mentally and emotionally. And and I know many people um, that uh, DM me have experienced it as well. So nowhere in Scripture do we get this uh, idea that we're going to live a 
you know, carefree life that we're going to enjoy and just be happy and everything's going to be great. No, 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 just stop, just stop. Paul makes it very clear in his writings that we will face something. Every Christian does. The promise and the beauty of it is, is that we get to cling to Christ and we get to go to Christ for rest and comfort. Knowing that Christ went to the cross to die for us and as he hung there, he knew what we would experience. He knew that we would be depressed. He knew that we would be distraught over rejection by family members, maybe even our spouses, maybe even our kids. He knew as he hung on that cross that we would experience suffering, whether it's mentally, spiritually, or physically. And he hung on that cross for you. That is the gospel. It's work that Christ did for you. So nowhere in scripture do we see that we will get the comfortable life. Nowhere in scripture do we get this idea that we can be rid of sin. But where does this mindset come from? Where do we, where do these people come out and say that we can be perfect? Well, there's some scripture that says that you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. As Jesus says in Matthew 4, 48, 548, apologies. Well, Matthew 5 is the Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, and 7. And Matthew is telling us here um, in this particular passage that we are to, in fact, be perfect. So as we look at all of chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, we have the Beatitudes, and then we talk about salt and light. Christ came to, ooh, there's my stomach. Again, I've been up for a few hours as I'm recording this, and so I'm a little bit, eh. I wouldn't say I'm hungry because I usually skip breakfast, but um, yeah, I don't know. Weird. So if you caught that, let me know. So as we get into Matthew 5, all the way down to the end of chapter 5, this last text is nestled in with the headlines of loving your enemies. So I'm going to read the context 43 through 48. Jesus says, you have heard it that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Hey, what was I just talking about? So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the devil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? I want to stop really quick because at verse 47, part A, um, he concludes it here. It says, do not even the Gentiles do the same. I did an Instagram live yesterday, the 18th of June, um, on social media behavior for Christians. And I kind of went after Christians who love to go out and wield the sword on Instagram, but yet fail to show love and compassion to the world. And so I, you know, it's, it was only 20 minutes long. Um, I, I hope you can grab it. It's going to be out on my IGTV uh, page. So if you go to my profile and you slide over, there's all my videos, um, grab that and watch it. Um, Cause I kind of, 
targeted the hypocrisy of Christians on Instagram where we brandish our swords and we defend the gospel and we attack the false pages and the heretics and all that. But in the real world, we only show love to our neighbors and our friends. And by neighbors, I mean family members. I mean, because we're not actively getting out and spreading the gospel like we should. And I said in the video that I am as guilty as they come. Now, I mean, I have different platforms in terms of delivering the gospel, but you know, I don't go street preach. And I'm not saying everybody has to stand on a corner and preach the gospel. Um, but I know that I don't actively seek out opportunities to preach and share the gospel as I should. And that hurt, that hurts me. And it hurts my message because I need to be showing the love of Christ to my enemies just as much as to those who I love. So check that out. Let me know your thoughts on it. So I'll reread 47. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So the context of 48 is to love our enemies because what good does hating our enemies get us? Absolutely nothing. So this context isn't for us to be flawless because that doesn't make sense because we can't be rid of sin. But we shouldn't be hypocrites. Now the language is difficult to deal with because it says to be perfect. And so the translations from the original Greek to English today can pose a challenge. Now, I'm not a Greek, you know, theologian. I don't read Greek. I'm only just starting to study it, so I'm not even going to begin to get into the middle of that one. But the language used in verse 48 is a difficult language to understand. However, if we use something like Matthew 5:48 as a platform to justify being perfect, then we fail as Christians to uh, understand what you know the message really is. And this kind of goes into the next level of just cherry-picking scripture to present a theological standpoint. No single verse should be used as doctrine. Even collections of verses uh, without the proper context should not be used as a theological standpoint. You know, you can pick a few different verses in the New Testament that all talk about how we should be perfect. Well, if we don't understand the context, then we're not utilizing Scripture in the right manner. This particular text isn't saying singly for us to just go and be perfect, but it's for us to essentially not be hypocrites like the rest of the world. Jesus says in 43, and this kind of sets up for 48, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verses 43 and 44 are the exact reason of what we should be doing. Loving our neighbors and praying for those who persecute us. For those who bring pain and suffering into our lives. We are to love them and pray for them. That is the standing point of 48. Because we have no ability in of ourselves to go and be perfect, right? Because we've labeled the definition of perfection as being flawless. And there's only one, and that is Christ. Christ came to live a perfect life, literally perfect, without sin, without, you know, falling into the entrapment that we do daily. 
And so we cannot live up to that standard. However, we can love our enemies and we can pray for those who persecute us. That is the understanding of what this particular text is trying to tell us here. So please, when you encounter these individuals on Instagram, for one, don't engage it because it's a waste of time. I'll be straight up honest with you. It's kind of the, it's kind of the other half to my video that I recorded on the 18th of June. These pages that are full of false teachings and heretics, they will beat you down with their pre-selected text to where you just throw your hands up in the air and they're going to claim victory. Let them it's social media. People we as Christians can use social media for our own, you know, not for our own good, but for good of the kingdom of God. But we should also be looking to put the phone down and go into the real world and make disciples. The interesting thing is I am speaking about a particular person and I'm sure some of you who listen to me know who that particular person is. Um, and, and how they claim you can be perfect and they, you know, can, they create bot accounts and they go out and they harass you. Um, and, and it's, he, it's a, it's ridiculous. I cannot begin to fathom his understanding, but I pray for him because he is in, he's in, in there and really he's equating himself to Christ by saying that he is perfect, that he doesn't sin. And that's not the promise of the gospel. It's not, you know, Christ telling us that we are to have no sin, but it's that our sin is forgiven. That is the gospel. And so I pray for this individual. However, I see him doing a lot of street evangelism and he's out on the street corners preaching about Jesus and people engage him and that's good. You know, and I, again, I say his message is flawed because he's preaching a false Christ. So our call as Christians is to engage that and get out into the world and share the gospel, the right biblical gospel. Now, I do want to say another thing before I look at some other text. Um, in terms of, you know, uh, where is it? John 7 and 8. I would pull up my Bible. I'm going to look at that because there's um, a often disputed text uh, in John 7:53 through 8:11. It is some of the earliest manuscripts, and you'll see this in modern Bibles. The earliest manuscripts do not include this, since the women called in the, caught in adultery. But I want to bring your attention to uh, one particular verse as you know Christ comes in and he steps in to take care of this um and uh so to provide some context Jesus you know stands in front of the woman being accused of adultery and these individuals were going to stone her these scribes and pharisees were going to stone her cuz that was the punishment for adultery and they were going to kill her and Jesus steps in and says let the let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw the st- throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. 
So what is sin? Sin is unbelief. That is the root of it all. Unbelief in God's promise. Jesus is saying and is not telling us and not telling her now, you know, go and, and don't commit this sin, adultery. Not saying go and, you know, be perfect. Go and be flawless. Christ is saying go and believe. Believe in me. Go and no longer disbelieve. That is the root of sin. So again, some of the language sometimes is hard to deal with, but when we understand the premise of what Christ came to teach us, then we can understand some of these harder to deal with texts. It's not telling us that we have this ability, even though Jesus is saying, go and sin no more. He is saying, go and believe me. We see even that with the women at the well, where Jesus says, you know, tells her about her five husbands and she gets, she's, you know, really, she gets excited because she's telling these people in the town that he knows so, so many things about me that I never tell anybody. And, and well, you're, you're also dealing with the son of God who knows all things. So we have to understand the premise to what Jesus is telling us at all times. That's why context is very important. And, and again, even still knowing that this particular section of text wasn't even in the earliest manuscripts, it still falls into, you know, a proper understanding of the nature of Christ that he is standing in and saying, well, if no one is, you know, only those, only the one who is sinless and perfect can accuse and condemns sinners. Now the Pharisees have obviously had this, you know, law in place that they've created for uh, for hundreds of years that uh, they would punish the unjust, and that really wasn't the premise of the law that Moses received. It wasn't, you know, God on Mount Sinai handing Moses ten commandments and then sending, okay, so here's now the punishments that you have to dish out when these people fail to do that. What was to be done was sacrificial offerings when they committed certain sins they were to bring an offering to god for forgiveness of that sin and then it turned into you know god would instruct in certain instances punishment for certain disobedience and those were justifiable excuse me those were justified in the way that they were carried out because god gave divine instruction in that instance. And then the Pharisees decide, hey, we're going to take that and we're going to make more laws around it and we're going to make punishments around it. We're going to now, you know, uh, we're going to basically create our own legal system. (laughs) And uh, God did not originally have that in plan. Outside of those instances that God set forth, do this because I am telling you to do it. And that's when we see Jesus step in. And that's why we understand and use this text, even though we put the little quotation that it wasn't in the earliest manuscripts. But it falls right into line with his nature. Christ did not come to condemn people, but to seek and save the lost. So let's look at a few more little bits of scripture to understand God's perfection and how we are not perfect. And this will be the final episode in the Attributes. 
I'm looking here in my plethora of lists. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just speechless because what we really get is this beautiful nature of God and our sinful nature just kind of on display. And the Psalms really put forth a lot of that, um, the, the nature of who God is. And so David really wrote a lot of beautiful Psalms and, um, we get to see that, you know, Psalm, where is it? 84 for the Lord. God is the sun and the shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So we get to see some of these beautiful um, characters, uh, character natures coming out here. Psalm 19, 7, very um, popular one. The law of God is perfect, reviving the soul, and the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We talked about that one on the simplicity of God even. Um, Psalm 25, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. This, again, shows the separation between God being perfect and us not. Uh, Exodus 33, and he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to him who will I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. Paul actually echoes this in Romans 9 when we talk about his sovereign choice in salvation. So let's continue on with a few more verses before we wrap this episode up. Um, Mark 10, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. That verse is again echoed in Luke 18, Matthew 5:48. We've already talked about um, Leviticus 19.2, this is another one that is similarly twisted as Matthew 5.48 is. Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. We did a whole episode on the holiness of God, so be sure to check that out. Oh, here we got another one, 1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Peter is echoing Leviticus 19 here. So again, we get these verses that display God's perfection and they display that we are to be like God. But that is not what, you know, the, the, the premise that's being conveyed. We, we're not going to be perfect. We are not going to be holy. To be holy is just to be doing the things that God has called us to do. To be perfect is not a manner of being flawless, but to live out the commands that God has called us to live out. Finally, brethren, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. 2 Corinthians. I love that verse. I love the way Paul writes. If we start to unpack his theology, it really provides this depth of comfort because Paul really was somebody after the heart of God especially when he preached to the Gentiles and conveyed God's message to all the world. So a little bit shorter 
than last week's episode. Um, I had a little bit more housekeeping at the beginning, but you know, again, this isn't an exhaustive look at God's perfection, but this is an ex- this is a look at the character and nature of God, His perfection, and how we are not like Him. He is an uncreated creator, and we are the created and sinful beings. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. But what we can take away from this, and we'll talk about that kind of in the whole recap episode next week, what can we take away from all of these attributes? But what can we take away from the perfection of God is knowing that we fall short of his glory and only Christ is our Savior. And only Christ can be our salvation. And only Christ can clean us from the sin that has befallen on us. So, brethren and sisters, I cry out to you to ensure that when you study Scripture, to look at all of it in all context, understanding the whole meta narrative of the Bible, to understand the word of the Lord and how it has been given to us. Be holy, for I am holy. I love that. Go, go therefore, and do the things that God has called us to do. Go, therefore, and share the gospel with the whole world, declaring that salvation is found only in Christ. It's been an honor to do this series with you all. I am very blessed to have done this, and I pray that this series may continue to edify people into the years to come. And I look very much forward to my next series. So we will do the recap next week, and then we will dig into eschatology thereafter. Thank you all for joining me on this ride. God bless. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.